Welcome to Listen to Lawrence, presented by Lawrence Eric Davidow, Senior and Managing Partner of Davidow, Davidow, Siegel & Stern, one of the first and most successful elder law, special needs, and estate planning firms on Long Island. This podcast series is based on his Listen to Lawrence seminars and will teach you how to plan in advance to protect your own assets and those that you leave to your children and grandchildren. Mr. David Dow is a past president of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, a published author, and an accomplished and educational speaker. So sit back and listen to Lawrence. Hello, everybody. My name is Lawrence David Dow, and this is another episode of our Listen to Lawrence podcast dedicated to answering your questions. So let's get in it. Today's topic is going to be about life estates. And the question I got was, hey, Lawrence, I heard that I should put my house in a life estate. Is this a good idea? And the answer to that is I have no idea. And the reason I don't know is because I don't know you. There are times that a life estate is something that I would recommend, but I want you to understand that a life estate is simply a tool in the tool shed. It's something that if we have a problem, we'll look in the tool shed and we'll try to come up with the, the right tool. Sometimes a life estate is a good tool. Sometimes it's a bad tool, but a life estate is not inherently good or bad. So um, what is a life estate anyway? So a life estate is an interest in real estate. That's what it is. Um, but it's a partial or a limited uh uh, interest in, in real estate. So how is it created? Well, you may own a piece of property, you own your home, and you want to just have the right to live there and to occupy it and to get the income from it. You want to know you have it for life. So what you can do is you can do a new deed. This is all about, an, as I said, an interest in real estate. So it all follows a deed. And what you would do is you would transfer your house, let's say to your kids, and you would reserve what is called a life estate, which means you have the absolute exclusive right to live there for the rest of your life. If you want to, you don't have to live there. You could rent it out and you would get the income. Nobody can kick you out. Nobody can move in with you if you don't want them to. You have 100% control over that house, but you don't really own the whole house. You only own the right to the life estate. It's a partial interest in a piece of property. You have what is called the use and occupancy, 100%. Nobody can kick you out, as I said, so it's pretty cool. And you you can do it, you can create like these life estates two different ways. One, the way I just told you, where you could make a new deed, transferring it to someone else, let's say your kids, and reserve the right to live there. Um, or somebody could create it for you. So it's possible that father dies and his will leaves his house in a life estate for his son, and upon the son's death, it goes automatically to someone else. So you can actually will a life estate to someone, and what happens after the life estate, the ownership is called the remainder interest. All right. It's something that we could play with here, but... Why do people do these things? Why would you create a life estate? Well, one reason that people create life estates is to avoid probate. Uh, I can't remember the last time I ever created a life estate for the sole purpose of avoiding probate, but it is something that can be done. So you transfer the house to your kids, you reserve the right to live there. You live there for the rest of your life, or you don't live there, but you have the life estate. And upon your death, poof, 
your life estate is gone. It goes up in smoke. The remaindermen, your children, are automatically the owners. They own 100% of it at the time of your death, and you've avoided probate, which means we don't need to use the will and take that will to court and go through the probate process. We don't even have to create a fancy trust to avoid probate. You can just transfer the house now to the kids, keep a life estate. Your life estate is extinguished upon your death. They own it, and it will avoid probate. All right, that's cool. Um, is there another way to avoid probate with a house, in, in, with a deed? Can you just own the whole house and put a beneficiary on a deed? Hmm, that's something less than, than a life estate, but it's another way to, uh, theoretically, to avoid probate. Um, we know that with bank accounts and IRAs and brokerage accounts, you can name a beneficiary, and upon your death, it goes to the beneficiary. Isn't that cool? It avoids probate. Can you do that with a deed? Well, the answer is not in New York. Not in New York. A life estate may be the only way to do it in a deed. You can't just put a beneficiary. Now, there are other states where you can. Um, the one I'm most familiar with is Florida. We have lots of Florida clients who um, create new deeds with a um, the beneficiary, and, the, and they call these ladybird deeds. Very cool, very Florida, very some other states, not New York. So that is not an option. You cannot just put a beneficiary on on a deed. So if you if you die owning your house, and it's in your name alone. Well, you're going to have to go through probate. We'll probate the will. So people are looking for alternatives. A life estate is an option that we that we can play with. But what I probably see more often is that people transfer their houses to their kids and retain a life estate for the purpose of protecting their house from Medicaid. So by transferring the house to the kids and retaining a life estate, that will trigger the five-year look back. Five years later, your house is protected from Medicaid. The fact that you still have the right to live there is something that Medicaid doesn't go after. The fact that your life estate has a value is something that they ignore. The fact that you could rent the house out is something they don't force. So um, transferring your house and retaining a life estate is a way to protect your house from Medicaid. And I will tell you, for the last thousand Medicaid plans I've done, I've maybe done one life estate. An irrevocable trust is usually the way we do that to save a house. Um, so, But it's so simple, isn't it? You just do a new deed. You transfer it to the kids. You reserve a life estate. You reserve the right to live there for the rest of your life. All that. Um, it's so simple. The trust so, sounds so complicated, and they're, and they're more expensive to set up. Can't we just do a life estate? Well, the answer is you could, but there are problems. And the problem is that you might want to sell this house at some point. I'll never leave my house. I'm going to die in this house. But what if, God forbid, you end up in a nursing home and your house is empty now and your kids are saying, we don't want to take care of this house. We want to sell it. So I'm not asking whether or not you're going to sell your house. I want, I'm asking you whether you want the flexibility of selling your house. And if you want the flexibility to sell that house, well, then... It could be done, but you'll need, of course, the consent of all the owners, which means you'll need the consent of your kids to sell it. Let's assume that's not the problem. Your kids are angels. But if it's sold, the question is, who gets the money? Well, is it you that gets all the money? Is it the kids that get all the money? And the answer is, you both get all the money. 
because you're an owner and the kids are the owner. So, well, what's the percentages? How much do they get and how much do you get? Is there some fixed percentage? Or do I get a third? Do I get 10%? And the answer is it depends on how old you are. It depends upon interest rates. It depends upon factors that the IRS has laid out. And there's a table. So there's a table. We look at the table and it says that your life estate at your age is going to be X percent. So, of course, the older you are and the smaller your life expectancy, the smaller the value of your life estate. It's that simple. It may be that an 85-year-old's, the life estate may be only worth 5%. So it all depends on how old you are and at the time of the sale. So at the time of the sale, some of the money will go back to you and the rest of the money will go to the kids. Most of it will go to the kids. Well, here's the problem. We just spent the last five years getting this house out of your name to protect it from Medicaid, but upon the sale, you're going to get some of it back. You're going to get 5% back, 10%, 15%, whatever the percentage is, depending on how old you are at that time. This is like a hot potato. I don't want it. I don't want it. Here, kids, you take it. There's another five-year look back. Or if the reason we're selling it is because you, you need Medicaid, you need to go into a nursing home, we're going to hand that money over right to the nursing home. Uh, or right to Medicaid. So that's not a good plan. And now the kids, they get them the rest of the money. They're getting 85, 90, 95%. And the problem there is it's not their principal residence, which means they don't get to use their 250000 capital gain exclusion on the sale of real estate. Therefore, there's going to be a huge capital gains tax to pay. This is a disaster. So the only time that I will allow my clients to do a life estate is when they will swear in blood that they will never sell this house while they're living, period. Swear in blood. Now, when does that come up? Well, it's the beach house usually. Mom and dad sold their main house. They've had the beach house. The the kids and the grandchildren love the beach house, and the beach house is going to stay in this family no matter what then maybe a life estate would be a nice, simple way. You transfer it to the kids now. You reserve the right to control it and live there for the rest of your life. And upon your death, they will own it. Um, They still get what is called a step-up in basis when you do that. That means all the capital gains get wiped out of death. That's really cool. So um, there are rare circumstances where I think a life estate is great, a house that really will not be sold while you're alive. But often that's not the case. 99.9% of the time, if you're not living in that house, your kids are going to want to sell that house immediately. They don't want to have the responsibility. You can rent it out, but who really wants to be a landlord of residential real estate like that? So that's usually not done. We don't do these life estates very often. Also, you know, you gave away the house. You don't own the house anymore. You really only own the right to live there. Your kids own the house. So what if your kids are naughty? What if they forgot your birthday one year and you want to write them out? Well, you already gave them the house. It's too too much. It's over. You've already given it away. They control the house now. They control where it goes. So you've lost that control. Can we do something about that? Yes, we can put in something in the deed itself. We can put in what is called a power of appointment where you reserve the right to change the beneficiaries among certain people in your family. Title companies don't really like that, but it is something we could certainly discuss. Also, you leave everything, you you transfer the house to your kids, you reserve a life estate, one of your kids dies before you. Well, who gets it next? 
Well, it's going to go by your child's will, probably to their spouse. And you may say, I have my dead body. Will I ever let my daughter-in-law get her hands on my house? So there are issues like that. If you want to keep control, you don't do a life estate. You don't just give away your house. When you put your house into an irrevocable trust, we can sell the house and you can keep your 500000 as a couple of $500,000 capital gain exclusion. You can keep a power of appointment without the title problems. If anything were to happen to one of your children, your trust will dictate where it goes, not their will. So understand that in the big context of life estates, we don't do them very often, but they are a tool in the tool shed that you should think about. Well, I, you know, the purpose of these podcasts is just to give you a little glimpse. Um, I'm 12 minutes and 50 seconds into it right now, I see, from my engineer over here. And uh, that's about it for this. So uh, I'm going to wrap this up. You know, these podcasts are all about answering your questions. So send me your questions. Uh, go to... Uh, Info at davidowlaw.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-O-W-L-A-W.com. And you can send a question to us or go right to my website, davidowlaw.com. And there's a place on there. If you look around, you'll find where you can actually send me questions and I'll answer them. I'll answer them in future podcasts. I'll answer them in my Listen to Lawrence letter, which is a twice a week newsletter or email that I answer questions to my clients. Very popular because it's fun. Uh, you learn something. So I want you to do that. Uh, hey, look, why don't you get my book? Go on Amazon and get my Listen to Lawrence book. Uh, it's called Planning to Keep It. You'll find it under my name, Lawrence David Owl. Anyway, um, this was fun. I hope you learned something because that's the goal here. Learn one thing and move on And until the next podcast. So until next time, I wish you to stay safe, my friends. Peace, health, and happiness. Bye-bye. The Listen to Lawrence podcast is not meant to be advice particular to any one person or to serve as a do-it-yourself planning guide. It's simply to educate the audience. For more information, please visit davidowlaw.com.